Hello, welcome back to Alternative. I'm your host, Tatiana. Um, <laughs> if first of all I seem monotone and not enthusiastic, that is for several reasons. Um, some of those being that, um, I have strep throat. I just started antibiotics, so I will be not contagious in less than 24 hours, so that's exciting. Um, So physically, my voice hurts, but uh, mentally, I feel pretty uh, worn down, um, and I have really, really, really awesome support systems and people that love me in my life that um, show up for me and are wonderful consistently to me, but they're um, not all in close proximity to me. And so I am missing those who build me up rather than tear me down. And I'm feeling a little bit squashed, um, which is part of what I am going to discuss today. Um, I've just been reflecting on a few ideas um, as they pertain to the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I've been thinking about language and communication, um, the meaning we assign to words, the dichotomy within words, and like the biases with how we use language to um, support only a certain narrative. And then we change the definition of the same same language to disempower a different narrative. I've also just been thinking about systems that are in place. Obviously, um, the main system that we're focusing on right now is um, United States racist institutions, um, including but not limited to education, housing discrimination, medical discrimination, police brutality, um, prison, etc. So, of course, I've been thinking about those systems and um, the work that's being done to work to change them. Um, and then I also have kind of uh, seen some similarities, like these different patterns emerging in other systems. So if we bring it down a little bit, I can see similar um, patterns of like of dominance and like stifling hope for better and for equality and for empathy and for love to live in a wonderful place. To bring it down, I see this narrative of like squashing dreams and hope for better. I see parents doing this to their children. Um, Specifically within the movement, the millennials and Gen, I think it's Gen Z, um, a lot of people are being like 
bullied or disregarded by their parents for um, trying to be an ally to the Black Lives Matter movement and supporting it and spending time to um, educate themselves and try to educate others and signing petitions and donating and um, perhaps like selling their own artwork and then donating all the proceeds to bailout funds or actively participating in protesting. Um, so there's this narrative by both the, I guess, the political party that opposes um, basic human rights and human decency, as well as there's this resistance and squashing coming from uh, parents of youth that are passionate about issues that absolutely warrant um, their attention and concern. And then, um, of course, if you then bring back the lens even more, you can look at, well, yeah, we're looking at the USA and um, reform or better better than reform um, abolishing the police or and defunding the police and I'll talk a little bit about that but if you widen the perspective even more um, racism is not a United States issue it's a global issue um, we <laughs> there are huge 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 things at place with racism and colorism. And so it's amazing to see active participation around the world because this is a huge, huge, huge movement. It's great to see um, it's great to see the protesting happening and hopefully there is change made everywhere, not just in the US because it is great. We can look to other countries to learn some things. We can learn a few things from countries that have decriminalized drugs, and that's definitely a huge positive. Um, We can also learn things from countries whose police are not armed and they can de-escalate violence without being armed, like Finland and Iceland and those countries. We can learn things um, from countries who have done who have made progressive changes that are more backed by science and evidence rather than continually carrying out and perpetrating uh, racist and corrupt evil systems that harm and murder people. But at the same time, these other very wealthy nations and countries that maybe aid in some things that we don't have in America, they still have a lot of work to do as well. And this all dates back to colonialism and how uh, pretty much the world has come to where we are today. Everything we did was evil, corrupt, unethical, inhumane, Um. I don't like I don't even have the words to explain uh, our history. And then of course the history was then written with a narrative of like pride, superiority, justification. Um, and yeah, I guess with the superiority, that's definitely the narrative, whether that be like a superior religion that allowed 
conquering to occur or whatever. All of the narratives written about how the world has come to be is like pride and nationalism to a very disturbing degree. Actually, there's not so much to be proud of. And what is um, equally as disturbing is not just the history, but that we are living in modern day with, I mean, we haven't changed much. We There are still, again, on this global level, there are still countries in debt to their colonializing countries. And with neoliberalism, there are countries that invest into the World Trade Organization. And with that investment, they can then put requirements on these countries that are indebted to them that keeps these countries forced into sweatshops and uh, ends up being child labor and all these other horrible things because there's no debt forgiveness. These countries are still paying back debt to their colonializers, which is crazy on a global scale and also on a global scale. So we talk about this major inequality where people are suffering, dying, don't have access to um, not just health, but like happiness and meaning. And then we're so dispro- we're so disproportionately we've set up the world to be so disproportionate in a way that's so dis- disempowering and like absolutely evil that then we have the people with the most power economically, politically, in every way. They hold so much power that they commit the most atrocious crimes like child sex trafficking and are not penalized for it. So when I hear presidents or prime ministers or whoever discussing law and order, I'm deeply, deeply, deeply confused because that law and order is not utilized on people with power. It's simply a way to continually dominate and oppress minorities and to keep inequality not just thriving, but like to heighten it, to worsen it, to perpetrate it. And to I get really quite sad sometimes uh, about these realities, whether we're looking at neoliberalism on a global scale and racism on a global scale, or we're looking at the injustices and violence done by the state to people, to the Black community. And then... Um, And then again, on a much, much, much smaller scale, when we look at families and how we are raising children, the commonality I am seeing here, the the common thread is that those with dominance and power are telling those who are positioned, I guess, under them in a hierarchy to shut up to stop trying, to accept it as it is. This this is all we can do, they say. Just deal with it. Figure it out. Work within the system. 
And why, why are we subject to such systems of dystopia and lack of humanity and lack of human rights? To me, this is horrible. And I am super glad that the generation I'm a part of and, um, because I guess I think I'm technically Gen Z, and then millennials, I think these two generations currently um, do have something that the that that a lot of the people in earlier generations are lacking, which is um, a little bit of hope and desire for something more. Like we want more than this because once you get educated and learn, about how awful these things are. It's extremely disempowering to just live like that and be complacent with it. And yeah, George Floyd kind of, um, the, the murder of George Floyd, you know, was like the tipping point, but it's obviously, it's not just about him, this, but this moment that this movement has finally been it's come to the surface because it's been going on for a while with peaceful protests and it's still gotten a lot of criticism. And um, it's really important for people to remember right now that it's not just a moment. It's not just, it's not definitely not a trend, an Instagram trend, but it is a movement. And we are, the Black Lives Matter movement is beginning to instigate change and it's really exciting but there's still a ton a ton a ton of work to be done so I guess my point here is work needs to be done with how you parent and how you treat others work needs to be done within your participation of the Black Lives Matter movement and work needs to be done by like holding people in absurd amounts of power accountable for their actions because we keep criminalizing addiction and poverty and homelessness and we're criminalizing these things. We're victim blaming. We have people in these awful situations and then we make them criminal so that they can do free labor and then we disproportionately arrest black people for the crimes that white people are committing at similar rates just so that we can continue slavery legalized with the third 13th amendment through arresting and locking people up and all of this is disproportionate the arrests the tactics the charging the justice system the sentencing the parole everything is disproportionately targeted um and aimed at black people so to me the <laughs> We have this huge issue. We, you know, I hear my parents and people in my parents' age saying a lot of things about, well, we've, but we've changed so much, but we've come this far. And it's just not so much for non-Black folk to be saying that. Like, how do you know? Because you're benefiting still, because we're privileged still, because if we don't really want to learn about what's actually going on, we don't have to because we're not fearful for our lives or for our jobs and for our families and for our health. And so it's like, no, we haven't changed a lot. We still have legalized slavery 
via mass incarceration, disproportionately arresting black people, putting them in prison. And obviously that's not the only thing. We've been defunding education. We've been defunding housing. We do not trust and listen to black people in in healthcare. So we have so many things going on. You say we've changed so much. We've changed hardly anything. I mean, that's, I guess, an optimistic point of view. And this is my other issue is people are saying, well, let's have peace and love and like, let's unify. So we should be hugging cops and, um, and we should all just like love each other. And this narrative that we are spreading is so harmful because it makes people like people who have a lot of love and empathy feel like question that they're loving and empathetic because of their anger towards these racist institutions and their passion to um, defund them and transform them completely, not just with a little bit of reform. And the thing is, it's not loving and empathetic to like unify with the state, the state with the oppressor, with these structures that are harming and killing people. That's not, that's not loving. And to be, to be complacent and to be silent and to not educate yourself, that's not loving. You can say peace and love all you want, but that is not true, true peace and love because what is being fought for is genuine peace and love with tactics and methodology that is backed by, backed by like actual evidence. Whereas the systems that are in place, like our current law enforcement and police officers, what, what what is it helping? I mean, we have this big, huge fear of like anarchy and chaos. Where does that even stem from? Because if you look at the history of police, they were created to protect white people from freed slaves. Like, how could this possibly be just? How could we possibly back this? Because it translates and manifests into police brutality every single day against Black people and and officers that aren't charged. So no, that's not really evidence-based that it's keeping us safe. What evidence do you have that it's keeping anyone safe? It's this false narrative and idea that we keep pushing to keep the um, oppressor in a state of power against the people. If we want to talk about love and unity, then we need to unify with the Black Lives Matter movement. We need to come together as people who fight for people. It's simple. Otherwise, as as a human species, we're never going to we're never going to evolve. We're going to continually repeat these cycles of evil and corruption just with different masks, different faces, different, you know, side of the coin in the two-party system or different wing of the same bird, whatever you might call it. But glo- on a global scale as well, we are continuously repeating these 
things that limit others, destroy empowerment and empathy and kindness and love, which I believe is our true nature. But we can't get to that point until we use anger as a loving tool to destroy and dismantle the systems of evil, corruption, murder, and getting away with any crime without any accountability. So this is how we direct our love. And this is how we utilize it, is with anger. It should be angry. It's not time to like have a parade and do the Cupid shuffle with the cops. And I I know it seems like that seems more like at ease and it seems nicer to do that, but it's actually not the nicest approach. It's just not nice and it's not being an ally to the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, <laughs> Where am I going? Oh, I just wanted to say that we are repeating these cycles over and over and we're from from like a spiritual standpoint, we're not going to evolve to be we're not going to evolve spiritually if we leave hum- humanity in such a state of such a state of horror and such lack of compassion for one another. We keep we keep advancing ourselves as we work within this system, whether that be from um, obvious privilege that you have or telling those without privilege that they need to work within the system. Everyone working within the system and every every man for himself and screw the environment and the earth and my neighbors and Black Lives Matter and... <sighs> And illegal immigrants just screw all these things as long as me and maybe my family can rise up within this system and I'll leave everyone else behind to be tortured, raped, and die. Like, how is this narrative ever going to make us evolve spiritually? How are we ever going to truly be happy and blissful and experience like enlightenment and transcendence? How? Because we, when we are harming others and we are killing others, we are harming ourselves. We are connected to one another. We are connected to the earth. And this is not just my hippy-dippy approach. This is me saying we need to be angry. We need to be pissed. We need to fight. And I'm so sick and tired of the other political parties because this is not a political issue. It's like gas, it's gaslighting for certain conservatives and Republicans to say that this is a political issue and we can just disagree. This is my opinion, blah, blah, blah. And to buy into police propaganda. No, that's, and especially to the black community, that's gaslighting. If you're not utilizing resources and educating yourself on the systematic and implicit and many other forms of racism that they're telling you about and you just say, I'm not racist, that's gaslighting. And it's traumatic to the trauma that's already been experienced. So please have some compassion. Please have some love. Please have some empathy. Please get out of your own bubble. Please stop rising up yourself because you cannot 
rise up. Perhaps you might sit within the system and you might gain materials and capital, but are you going to be happy? I don't think so. I don't think anyone is happy with the way we're operating. I think people are really greedy or barely struggling to make it. And I don't think it has to be that way at all. And it's terrifying that this is the reality that our parents are telling us we must accept. We do not have to accept this. We do not vilify the anger that is just and warranted of people that just don't want to see their brothers and sisters murdered anymore and oppressed anymore. Wrongs have to be righted. No, they can never be totally righted. But let's just take the stupid statues down. Let's pay reparations. Let's do debt forgiveness for the countries that are indebted to the colonializers. Let's stop all of these harmful things and hold people in power accountable. This is not the life we have to live. And if we're complacent and if we go about our lives normally, it will always be like this. We're never going to evolve on a level as humans or spiritually. We are going to be stuck and stagnant forever as we harm one another, continually, subconsciously harming ourselves. So I want to see, let me just put, let me just put my little positive, alternative, you know, whatever twist on this. Um, I, as parents, you know, maybe it's not our parents. Maybe our parents want to push these narratives that we can't follow our dreams and that we're damned if we, you know, whether it be we're damned if we get bad grades and we do X, Y, and Z wrong and we don't get power in childhood or whether it be that that we're damned now because this is just the way it is. This is just the system that's in place. Protesting isn't worth your time. Go get a job in the pandemic. All these things we're hearing. So maybe we can accept this from our parents. Maybe we don't need to ask for more. I'm still trying to, but it's important to me that our generation, as we do or do not decide to have kids, because we definitely don't need to just have kids to have kids. But those of us who do decide to be parents, we have a responsibility to be mindful parents and evidence-based parents. We don't need to abuse children with spanking and with emotional abuse. We can actually listen to our kids. And when we give our kids that kind of power, that power can be translated into power right now, into people power, into the power of the people, not the state. We see these similar similar structures of, of dominance and submissiveness. We see the state and the people. We see parents and children. We see global power and Western um, imperialism, and then we see countries that are impoverished, and we have to start empowering everyone so that everyone has similar or ideally equal opportunities to rise up in a system that is not constantly pushing them down. So as parents, we must be better, we must be mindful, and Currently, right now, for Black Lives Matter, we must be better. 
This movement is not over. It is in motion. It is moving. It's exciting. Changes are being made. There is still so much to be done. Use your privilege. Keep learning. Keep figuring out how we can dismantle evil so that we can create something better. So that we can, so that there's no space for something better if the existing structures are in place. I don't think it's possible for us to create a utopia, but I don't think we are damned to exist in a dystopia. Let's tear it all down. And most importantly, I just emotionally ranted. Let's please listen to Black voices, support Black businesses, keep learning, keep fighting, keep pushing, keep having difficult conversations. Don't let the systems around you tell you that you can't. We must unify and love one another and support so that we can rise up as a whole and evolve spiritually. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) I think... I've totally put my notes away. Lo- my ending is like love, love fully, be love fully, be authentic, and live alternatively. My goal is to bring light to alternative perspectives and practices with hopes to spread connection, community, empathy, and empowerment. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're now on Apple Podcasts, so search Alternative Tatiana Saunders and give me a rating and review, and please share this episode on social media so that we can continue and expand these discussions.